The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. FA Dino Show with your hosts, Robbie Jeffries and Tom Corson. That's right. Uh, we stepped away from Dynasty Happy Hour with Tyler Gunther. Big props to him. Um, we decided to do our own Dynasty thing, and we're pretty excited about it. This is going to be the first one. I'm going to bring in my co-host over here, NFL Robbie. Say what's up, man. Dude, we are here. It's the inaugural episode, the 101 of the TFA Dino Show. I know. You're killing it, bro. Keep going. I'm pumped up. Uh, like you said, hey, shout out to DHH, Tyler, Tim, you know, the crew out there and our lady faith. Um, you know, we had a ton of fun. I had three years there. You had about over three years. Uh, right around the same time as you. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a great time rocking with them, uh, learned a lot, you know, grew a lot. And we wanted to kind of create our own uh, dynasty show. And so TFA has brought us on and we are pumped to bring you guys just some exciting informative a little bit argumentative audio goodness and so that's what we're going to do for the next uh, 30 minutes yep and one thing is we're going to try and be informal so uh don't necessarily listen to this at work with uh without your headphones <laughs> in because i might say fuck and within the first two minutes or something like that i think we've done it so that was our goal um so we're gonna curse we're gonna say whatever we're just gonna try and break it down quickly as possible and have some fun with it because there's a lot of dynasty shows out there, but we're just going to try and do it our way, have some fun and, and just keep going. Uh, one thing that's going to be hopefully a little bit unique is we're going to try and keep the time down to between, you know, 30, 40 minutes. So my commute, for example, is like 36 minutes. And one thing I hate about podcasts is picking it up on the way back for another like four, you know, four yep. minutes or 20 minutes, something like that. So we're going to try and keep it in that time range. We'll see how it goes, um, but we're going to be trying trying to put out at least one or two shows a week and uh, get going. Let's dive right in, man. Um, I think the the first thing we got to talk about is a little bit of the fantasy news. Um, obviously, the big news right now is Darius Geis getting released, and so it would be remiss of us to just gloss over this because there is some dynasty appeal here. Obviously, he was the big outlook there. You know, Adrian Peterson at the twilight of his career. We think he's going to be done. You know, in the next year or two. Um, he maybe keeps a little bit of relevance here for 2020, maybe even 2021. But, you know, the talk of Twitter right now is one Antonio Gibson. Have you played the uh, Antonio Gibson drinking game? Anytime you see him on your Twitter timeline, you have to drink. I have not because I don't want to die. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, you have some guys out there just going crazy for him. And then you have others just trying to bring people back to earth. It's probably going to be somewhere a little bit in the middle. But if we're being honest, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on it for this year. You're going to buy a running back from the Redskins. They're probably going to be in a split no matter what happens. And then they're going to wind up drafting their running back of the future in 2021 and moving on. So 
that's my take on that situation. I'm not going to try and buy in on anybody. I was shocked that all happened with Darius Geis and how quickly he got released after the report. That was the big thing for me was how quick he got just like jacked. Like, yeah, it seemed like on. it was immediate. I mean, yeah. we've seen other situations where it's a couple days, maybe a week later, but no, you're right. He seemed to be out the door. So we'll see what comes with that. And he wasn't even claimed off waivers. So I think a lot right. of teams are waiting to see what happens in that situation um, from the legal side. Um, you know, I think this is a little interesting for for Gibson, obviously, but then also Bryce Love. I got a little bit of love for Bryce Love. Um, in my projections, I gave him like 85 carries because I think he's kind of that next guy for just carries. Obviously, Gibson's going to be a little bit more the receiving uh, back, if you will. Um, probably plays play out wide a, a bit as well because they just are hurting for kind of wide receiver talent, especially after Kelvin Harmon went down. So, yeah, man, um, I think, uh, like you said, there's just going to be um, another guy coming in the door next year as well. So let's jump over to Jarvis Landry coming off the pup list. Uh, this is a guy that kind of was under the radar. Well, he's not kind of, he's always been under the radar literally every single year of his career. I just wanted to note that he's off the pup list. He had a hip uh, injury and surgery last uh, season and in the off season, he's, um was recovering. So uh, any thoughts with, with Jarvis Landry there? No, I think he'll be fine over in Cleveland. I think uh, all reports, you know, Baker Mayfield, best, shape of his life all that other stuff uh you know hyper bowl of the preseason or training camp so i i do actually think all the browns in general will bounce back uh jarvis always just kind of steady wide receiver two low end wide receiver one so uh let's get into the meat of the show we are going to do a little segment called why you're wrong because robbie and i are both ranking over at tfa now and when you have two people that rank, we're obviously going to differ on a lot of them. So I just cherry picked a couple of them where we had some some bigger disparities than others. And we're going to start with Todd Gurley here. So Robbie has him at 39 and I have him at 66. And at 66, I have obviously have him baked in for the injury risk as he is. Um, I'm just not sure how good he's going to be there for a longer amount of time. That is my big concern. I think he could be good this year and it could, my ranking could go up a little bit, but overall, I I still don't know. He could be done in the next two years and I don't want to pay that top, you know, 40 value there. Um, So he's cut by the Rams. It cost him 20 mil in dead money. So what what are you doing there? Dynasty player for you. I'll just put this out there. We we're doing super flex rankings over at TFA. So Top 40, you might sit there and think, okay, yeah, I think we both probably have six to eight quarterbacks in our top, um, you know, no, well, no, not that many, probably about five in our top 40 roundabouts, but it pushes them down a little bit. So anyway, how, how is he a top 40 guy for you? Yeah, no, that, that's a great uh, addition that the, this is super flex for dynasty. Um, I think that's obviously what more people are moving towards. So that's what um, we're going to sh- highlight here. Uh, tonight and man, Todd Gurley, they 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 keep on telling me he's got this arthritis in the knee. And you know, here here's my question back to you. Before I get into why you're wrong, I'm gonna let you do one quick answer for me. Where would you rank Todd Gurley if his knee uh, arthritis in the knee wasn't a thing? Like, where would you have him? He'd be he'd be in top six, top seven. He'd be right there with like Cook. He would um, be you know, above maybe again, Nixon and Sanders year. or yeah, he'd be he'd be right in that elite tier he'd be under the cmc saquon tier and then there's like a grouping of you know five to eight people or whatever he'd probably be in that tier but with Gurley last year i just saw it was a slower back he's still really good um at catching the ball obviously that's not going to to go away and he's good in the red zone 
but I just don't know. Is he going to be touchdown dependent the entire time? And what happens if those go away? That's my big concern with Todd Gurley. Yeah, I think the nice thing is that if he is touchdown dependent, that's something he is crushed at. He's had double-digit touchdowns four of his five seasons. Um, and everyone talks about you know him being you know this big injury risk. And I'm not saying that he's not, but he hasn't played less than 13 games in any of his uh, seasons, any of his five seasons. And obviously last year uh, he had a little bit of um, – you know, a snap count, if you will. Um, but he, he still put up great numbers. He was running back 12. A lot of that was propped up by his uh, 12, I think 13 touch, uh, touchdowns. But here's, here's why I think he's going to be where he, where he was last year and even better this year is that Atlanta is just, they literally are going to run through him. I know Julio is obviously there, but Matt Ryan threw so many times to Devontae Freeman, who is a great, was a great receiving back in his own right, looked washed last year. Obviously, that's why they go to Todd Gurley. He's just in a better situation. They literally have five first-round uh, offensive linemen. You know, they have Chris Lindstrom, uh, McGurdy. They have Matthews there. So they they are just have a cornucopia of talent on that offensive line. And then just talk about the receiving work that he's going to get. Freeman had about what fifty receptions, I'd say average, um, in his in his kind of his peak years there. Tevin was always chipping in at another like 30 to 40. Yep, exactly. And so like but that was who else, who else is there? System. Yeah. Who else is there? Edo Smith? No. Uh Brian Hill is Brian Hill, no. Not, also, no. Like this is going to be his backfield in a team that is going to throw a ton. I know that they're going to run a, a lot as well because they just have a fast, uh high powered offense. So yeah, just just give me Todd Gurley for and, and he's only 25, right? 26, with 25? The, with, with my knees, though. <laughs> right. With, with three, knees, de- he's, he's three deployments thir- worth of knees, and I'm 30, I think I'm 38, 38 or 39 <laughs> or something. I, I don't How even I? know anymore. So that's so that's my big problem. Todd Gurley in redraft, I'm perfectly fine spending a second or, or, a, or a third maybe. I don't even know. Yeah. But I just don't know how long he can actually last, and I don't want to – in a startup, I don't want to risk a fourth-round pick on Todd Gurley because I don't know if he's going to be around in three years or two years. That's yeah, man, my I mean, that's my big thing. I, I think we're we're in the middle on on this one, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I think I may be too low, and I also think you may be too high. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, Just turned twenty-six in August third, so yep, you're right. The risk is the the knees, but I think he's the type of big reward player that if you have the risk that we had last year and he ended up being running back 12 was just fine. I think that same thing can happen this next year. And until something tells me that he can't play football for uh, a regular season, which we haven't seen, everyone was worried about it last year, but he still played the entire season. I'm going to say he can play. So, All right. so real quick top, he's a top 40 pick for you. He's what he's been at 2021 first to get him. Oh, he's definitely worth a 2021 first. All right. 21 and two first round picks. Uh, I think that's where you're getting into that next tier up above him. Um, that'd be like the Josh Jacobs, the Mixons, the Chubbs, if Sanders. If somebody asked me for two first-round picks for Todd Gurley, I'd punch him right in the dick. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a bit bold. <laughs> a bit bold, sir. All right, I don't think either one of us won here. You talked longer, so maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't. <laughs> I want to know, baby. Fired up. All right, All right, so I guess I'm definitely going to win this next one. Uh, we're going Jonathan Taylor here. I've got him ranked at 14. You have him ranked at 33. I love Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm going to talk for a while. Yeah, I'll say you have him ranked at 14th. You better lay it out. However, 
I'm going to let you start on this because you need to defend a 33 ranking because that is way too low for any player of his talent. He is. You know, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Because first, don't act like I'm the one that's off of consensus. Like I'm the psycho one. Go look at any rankings, consensus expert ranking. You're going to see Jonathan Taylor right there in the low 30s. Maybe some kind of get him into the 20s. This is why you're all wrong. This is I'm going to tell you why you're all wrong. Go ahead. I love it. I love it. But I don't want you acting like this 33 is some crazy number. No, 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 no. I have him properly ranked. Okay, so obviously the big concern. Okay, no, let's just start off this. Jonathan Taylor is awesome. He's going to be great. He's going to be really good. I have him ranked showing that he's going to be really good. He's like the 30. What do I have, Matt? 33. 33 overall. Right. He hasn't now, taken here, a here's, snap. Here's yet. my problem, and this is why I put Jonathan Taylor right after Todd Gurley. You have Jonathan Taylor only six spots ahead of Todd Gurley, who has my grandmother's knees, who's been dead for 20 years now. He was a running back 12 last year, guys. Get, get out like, of here. He was fucking. He stumbled at, into the end zone. And he's going to continue to stumble John, into the Jonathan end zone. Jonathan Taylor, go. We can't go back to Gurley. Stay on track, sir. Goodness six. gracious. I thought we were doing 30 minutes here. All right. Okay, so I think the big thing with Jonathan Taylor, and, and some people will say this is absolutely hogwash, but there is a lot of work on those on his body as well. We're talking about over 900 carries, not including his passing work, which that's another knock, but he, I think he can catch the ball. I'm not really worried about that. So if we're looking at recent guys who have come out of the uh, college ranks with over 900 carries, we're talking about Royce Freeman, Miles Gaskin, Donnell Pumphrey, you know who that guy is, Justin Jackson, like – these aren't guys that are inspiring. Obviously, guys obviously he is not in that league, and so I don't want to make the comparison that he's going to be the same as them because he's obviously a much more talented back than all of those guys probably put together. What I'm saying is if we're looking at dynasty rankings, long-term longevity, I think he gets a slight knock just because I don't think he's going to be the type of guy that's going to play uh, you know, into his 30s. Now, that's obviously way far out projecting. But if I'm going to have a knock on somebody and go, you know, if I'm splitting hairs, which is what we're doing here, we're just splitting hairs with a lot of these guys. Because, like I said, I like JT. I'm going to have to rank Jacobs over him, Sanders over him, CEH and Chubb. I think those are the four guys difference where we have him in running back ranks. I think we're only like four or five different. I'm going to rank those guys above him just with that little bit of caution that he's already got a ton of work. All right. So the work thing uh, kills me a little bit because if, if you actually are a good owner, and you're not taking over like an orphan that is just, you know, you, you've done, it, it's a horrible job. You've got to come in. It's generally going to be a three-year window. Mm-hmm. So this is where the split between Todd Gurley and Jonathan Taylor is because there's a fine line for me. It's I, I like to say it's a three- to five-year window, okay? Jonathan Taylor exceeds that five-year window, okay? If he's going to make it to his next contract, which he will, he'll be in Indy. I'm always going to rank these guys on their first pro contract, essentially, like especially running backs. So he's got four years there, and they'll wind up keeping him for longer, I'm guessing. But I don't have a problem with his workload because he'll be perfectly fine until he's 27, 28. And that's when his value is going to shoot down anyway, even if he's still producing at a top five level. Because let's face it, if you're – if you're taking a running back or anything, you're an ageist in dynasty. Look at Julio Jones. Everybody hates Julio Jones right now. He's going to probably be a top three wide receiver, right? Yep. So it, it doesn't necessarily matter the workload for me. Jonathan Taylor's talent is what's going to get him over the top. 14, I'm baking in a future price for him. I'm admitting that. Absolutely. But, and there's no doubt in my mind I'm admitting that. I'm not saying 
you know. But I have been crazy, and I have taken him at 13. No, I've taken him at 15 in the DHH staff league. <laughs> I remember that. To prove a point. <laughs> to one. <laughs> to prove a point. However, that line that Jonathan Taylor runs behind is just pure poetry right now. Okay, you have Phillip Rivers there. They're going to wind up getting a younger quarterback. They're going to lean on the run game. Jonathan Taylor is obviously going to be the biggest part of that. He can catch the ball. If you watched Wisconsin games last year, he caught the ball perfectly fine. He'll catch the ball in the system. Phillip Rivers will check down to his running backs no matter who is in the game. So yeah, now he minds. Right. So <laughs> I, I think Jonathan Taylor can have 1,600 yards easily this season. And that's just going to yeah. – Okay. All right. Mr. Jeffries over here does projections. Um, I think he's going to look so much better than Marlon Mack early on this year, which is why, again, the price is going to go up. Because if he doesn't just take that job from Marlon Mack, your ranking's probably right. I, but I think he's going to grab that because he's going to look so much better on the field that the coaches can't relegate Marlon Mack to something other than you know just a spell back where he's getting you know 10 touches a game. Or they just outright trade him because there's a couple teams out there that need some running backs right now. Yeah, man. Like, I agree. He's obviously the most talented one in that backfield. But I'm just going to wrap it up with this, that Marlon Mack is going to get work. I agree that as the season goes on, he will probably be uh, a less and less um, piece of that pie. But Naeem Hines is going to be a back that gets passes thrown to him by Phillip Rivers. And Mack, especially early in the year, is going to be somebody that gets – 10 to 15 carries. And even at the end of the season, he's probably still going to be somebody that gets eight to 12 carries. Like he's not just going to be gone. It's not just going to be the, the Jonathan Taylor show unless Mac gets hurt. Like they just, they have, they've already shown that Mac can do it and that Naeem Hines is a capable pass catcher. So unless you're playing and your Frank Reich has Jonathan Taylor in his fantasy team, he's going to do what's best for the football team. And that's to rotate the back. So they all do things well. So but, I, go ahead. I don't doubt that they're going to rotate in, but Jonathan Taylor is going to have the lion's share of that rotation. And I think it's going to be Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines breaking that up. And where I think the big disparity is, especially when you're talking about rankings, playability, he's going to pop some off with that speed and his size. And you know that. So the next thing you know, you have an 80 yard touchdown, you have a 70 yard touchdown. So he might be doing, you know, he, he might get 14 carries a game and you're like, Oh, I don't know. 14 carries, but he's winding up with 140 yards because he's, popping that 60-yard touchdown off. This was Todd Gurley's rookie year. You know what I mean? He wasn't getting a ton of work early, and the next thing you know, he's popping a 50-yarder off. The first four games of Todd Gurley's career were ridiculous, by the way, Um, but that's what he was doing, and I think that's what Jonathan Taylor is going to be doing, and that's why I think you're wrong there, buddy. All right. I love how you laid that out, and now we go kind of a similar guy in a similar range here in Miles Sanders. You have him two spots below Jonathan Taylor at 16 overall in our Superflex Dynasty rankings. I have Miles Sanders at 30, so just a little bit higher than Jonathan Taylor. So I I guess it it goes to the Eagle fan that to explain why Miles Sanders is 16 overall. um, We need to hear if Peterson's going to break up his RBBC history. Can Miles Sanders live up to this hype? Would say you, Tom. All right, so this is clearly a chicken and egg argument. Uh, Did Doug Peterson like the running back by committee or was he forced to do it because he hasn't had a running back like Miles Sanders before last year. You saw how much more work he was getting towards the end of the season when Jordan Howard was out. 
Yeah. And that's why he blew up and that's why he has a 16 ranking. And that's why he's one of the darlings in redraft and dynasty and whatnot. And you see him going, he's going top 12 overall in, in redraft um, easily. And then Miles Sanders is also breaking in, you know, he's closer to me than he is you as far as ADP wise, you're a little bit lower on him. So he's got a good line. He always winds up having a 10. The Eagles always have a top 10 line. The Jason Peters thing is going to guard thing is going to be interesting for him. Brandon Brooks is a big loss. So I, mm-hmm. that gives me a little bit of, of pause there. But at the same time, Miles Sanders is such a good receiving back. He's going to get a lot of receiving work. The only thing that they have behind him right now is Boston Scott, the running back in the, you know, Andy Reid Peterson system. They want that to be a bell cow. They want one main guy to take over that role. And Miles Sanders is that guy. They drafted him in the second round last year for a reason. They traded up for him last year for a reason to get him because they thought he was that good. He is that good. And he doesn't have any competition right now for touches aside from Boston Scott spelling him in, you know, third down roles. And I, that's why I think you're wrong about 30. Like, 30 is, is obnoxiously wrong. <laughs> and if you came in at like 25, we wouldn't be talking about him. We stopped. We probably would just because I'd want to talk about Miles Sanders. Cause he's like, you know, I like, yeah, exactly. We had to get at least one Eagle on this show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, here's the thing. We are actually very, very close. And we're talking about running back rankings because I have Sanders at eight running back or excuse me, running back nine. You have met running back eight and we are just flip flop with Jacobs. I have Jacobs at eight. You have Jacobs at nine. So we're literally, I think we're on the same page in terms of where they stack in in the running back threshold. I think where we differ a little bit is how this dynasty talent works itself. Or when we're talking about Carson Wentz, um, Russell Wilson, DJ Moore and Kittle, because those are four guys that I think I have over him and you have, um, Sanders over them. So if we're just talking about quarterbacks, I'm normally going to give the edge to the quarterbacks just because of the longevity, longevity of the position. Um, and, the, and then DJ Moore and Kittle, those are two guys that I think are just going to be top at their positions for the next, you know, seven, eight years. And so those are just some examples of why um, I think Sanders just bumps down a little bit for me. But I, honestly, I, I don't think we're too far off with Sanders. I think it's really comparing him to some of these other positions and seeing, you know, who would you rather have? And, and honestly, that's going to come down to your team construction for a lot of people. But, um, yeah, Sanders, I think there's just just enough little question marks where it's like, I, I know he's going to so, be good, but so what's me, that absolute ceiling? So tell me what are the question marks that you have? Well, I think if you if you look at it, like he couldn't beat out Jordan Howard to start with. Well, like, so that's that's a thing, right? Like, if you, so have you watched the games earlier on in the season? Yep, Miles I tried evolved. to get him. So Miles evolved. He was a completely different running back early on in the season because you had Jordan Howard, who was just pounding it and being productive. He was actually good. Like he was yeah. good. Yeah, and then you had Miles, who was constantly trying to bounce things. And Miles sat there on the sideline watching Jordan Howard actually be effective and said, "Holy shit." If I run through the hole, they tell me they're going to run through it. <laughs> right? Who would have thought? It's mind-blowing because you see so many running backs doing it. The Eagles had somebody – this is going to be your obscure uh, name drop of the day. Bryce Love. I'm, I'm sorry, not Bryce Love. Bryce Brown. Mm-hmm. You remember Bryce Brown? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He went on to Buffalo after a little bit. But yep. Bryce Brown was amazing when he hit the hole he was supposed to. The problem was he tried to bounce everything to the outside and create a big play. Once mm-hmm. Miles Sanders figured out, hit the damn hole, he was playing more. He's getting four and a half, five yards a carry, and the the coaches trusted him more. 
And that's what it comes down to with Doug Peterson. If Doug Peterson trusts you, he is going to absolutely abuse you. Look at Zach Ertz. He trusts Zach Ertz to do anything. And so he's going to, okay, Zach, go out there, get me a first down. You know what I mean? So uh, that's that's the big thing with Miles. I, I, I think he learned from being on the sideline last year. If you watched later on in the season, he was a completely different back. It was one of those evolutions that, that you sat there and watched. Where I, I was very impressed, not just as an Eagles fan, just as a football fan. Yeah, no, I, I think I hear you. And there's – there's just a debate to be had on how high you have in the overall. And, and like you said on the last one, maybe it's a little bit of I'm a little too low, you're a little too high. Um, so I think you make great points. Um, but for the essence of time, we're going to move on to Tua Tungavailoa. He is you know, someone who is really honestly kind of tricky if you're looking at where do you place somebody coming off a serious hip injury. Like just I think it's kind of a similar to Todd Gurley, except this is a rookie that we haven't seen do it in the NFL. So um, – I'll start on this one. I think you've yep, been uh, spewing some interesting takes so far, but I'm going to tell you why you are wrong on Tua. Um, you know, coming into the, this season, when you looked at some tape um, from Tua, from Burrow, um, from some of these other guys, I thought Tua was the best prospect when you were watching game tape. He had a 13% TD rate. He had a 1.6 interception rate. He had the highest passing efficiency in all of college football for a career and for a single season like this guy, it's, it's hard to say how good he was when you're looking at, oh, but he got injured and it's a serious injury. Like that just takes away like so much of that, um, you know, like just how good he was in college football. Like he was no, literally he, transcendent. Yeah, no, and he so, was fantastic. I, I'm just baking in the injury risk. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. And so here, here's my thing. We've heard nothing but great news with the hip. Nothing but great news. He's been ahead of schedule on not even on track. He's been ahead of schedule. He is not on the pup list. He's been out there practicing. So like, I just don't know where the, where the, like there is a risk. Sure. But, but if everybody is clear to medically, like who am I with my medical knowledge to say, you know what, but you know, he had a serious hip injury. I need to totally just move him down the ranks because he, he could get hurt. It's like, yeah, I guess there's a possibility. And that is why I bacon a little bit. He's behind Burrow for me. You know, obviously Burrow's going to start right away, so that's another reason Burrow's higher. But, you know, honestly, when Tua takes over, because Fitzy's going to go full Fitzy, and he's going to throw four interceptions in a game. and After, four, his, like, after his six touchdowns? Yeah, 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 exactly. It might be six touchdowns in the first half, right. four INTs in the second half, and he's yeah. going to be like, okay, week three, we got to make this change here. Um, there, there's a lot of young uh, talent in this offense with Yasiki, with Preston Williams. And so, yeah, when Fitzy goes full Fitzy, I think Tua will just come in there, and I, I honestly think he's going to rock. He's right. going to be a rock star. So uh, you you may not be wrong, but I'm not going to say. Oh, I know I'm not because yeah. that's no, what the title so, of this is, so why you're wrong. Deal. You may not be wrong, but I think you're wrong with a ranking of 34 just because I'm not taking him in the third round. And we were talking a little bit about Miles last er, last time. When you talk about strategy and, and how we rank people and everything, you have quarterbacks above you know Miles where you were talking about and everything. The, this is why when you have to look at rankings, you have to take it with a grain of salt because everybody drafts differently. So yep. that's what rankings are. I'm going to take this guy in the second. I'm going to take this guy in the third. There's no way I'm taking two in the third round. That's the big thing. I So I wait on QB a little bit. So, You're taking Burrow in the third round, right? Yeah. But that's different for me because Burrow was otherworldly last year. Tua was otherworldly as well, he, and then he got hurt. He, like, he, he was, was, back, to his, his he was not – 
he was even more what he was. I don't think he was, but Burrow had the, the best college season in college football history. Yep. And he just looked like just fantastic at everything he did. And yep. he can, you know, they, they're both mobile, everything else. And Burrow is more, more mobile. I'll give you that. Yeah. He will get more rushing yards so for you're sure. Gonna, you're going to have some, some more um, rushing yards with Burrow and he's a little bit more athletic. And yep. he was a lefty. It's a little bit weirder for the line. Who knows? Lefty, I'm lefty. Lefty. Okay. You've, you've caught my bias. Lefty, lefty. <laughs> but I'm just not taking him in the third round. I'll take, I'll take him in the, you know, I'll take him early five. Which is or mid five, which is where I have him, which is I, I feel that's reasonable, but I'm I'm not going to take somebody with that risk, who hasn't played it down, and is a possible injury risk because we're not talking about somebody who tore an ACL where people come back from torn ACLs all the time. We're talking about somebody with a hip injury who, you know, we all thought it was a career-ending injury when it happened. Um, it's that type of hip injury, you know, talking about like Bo Jackson had something like that. That's what we're all hearing. He's getting cleared and everything, but I don't know how he's going to look on the field. So he can be medically cleared, but if he's not moving uh, how he was before, because that was one of the good things about him. He was, you know, everybody called him Drew Brees light. He could jitter back there. I don't know what he looks like after, you know, week four, if he goes in and he looks great, you know what? I might be moving him up that high, but right now I, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be ahead of the curve there on that one. I do not think there is a big injury risk. There is a slight one. I'll have him lower than where I would have uh, put uh, Joe Burrow. But um, if, if he didn't have that, I think he'd be right there with, with Burrow. I, I, listen, that's fine. So <laughs> we have a couple of these things where we're, we're both projecting players to be leaping up where they are. I have Jonathan Taylor and you have Tua. kind of funny where they're, where, where we both have them ranked. Um, yes. You know, um, all right, our next player is going to be David Montgomery. I have him ranked at 98, and you have him ranked at 58. So I'm just going to be really clear about this. I want you to explain to me how David Montgomery is a good football player. Like, hashtag good. Like, go on. Like, three and a half yards and a cloud of dust. That's what I see. In college. He is 98. 98 so disrespectful. You hey, know what? it. You know it. Would it be nice to have a 50-yard run in college or, like, in your last year? I don't know. Or do you just want to, like, go down all the time? You know what's absolutely crazy about what you said? This man literally does not go down. He had the seventh most tackles uh, broken per attempt. Like, this guy is getting slammed before he even gets the line. He's breaking two tackles. We talk about Cam Akers all the time, you and I do. He is literally the Cam Akers in the NFL. He dude, is breaking dude, uh, so, wanna, many wanna, so many tackles to get like three yards. But so he can't. Here's some quick stats. You'll get your turn. This is why you're wrong. So <laughs> he, he was 20th worst, like literally only 19 other backs that were worse than him in yards before contact at two yards before contact. Like he is getting hit before he's oh, yeah. getting any momentum. And like that's, that's a huge thing, honestly. And so then if you look at obviously his broken tackle um, uh, rate, like, I just think that if he gets any daylight, he's going to be just fine. Um, I do think Nick Foles is going to help. I think Trubisky is trash. I think Nick Foles will be the starter there. I do think it'll help a little bit. Um, so I think the big thing is that the Bears believe in him. They, they used their first pick with him or on him uh, in last year's draft. I know it was a third-round pick, but it was literally the first opportunity they could. Um, he's been their guy. Like, Nagy raves about him. The whole team raves about him. Um, you know, so I have him over certain guys like Fournette, 
Melvin Gordon, Carson, Connor, just because I think his his long-term future is going to be fine. Now, I will give this to you that I do not think he's going to be great in 2020. I'd have to pull up projections here to see exactly where I have him, but they did not do anything to improve the line. So I think he's going to see a lot of the same problems that he had last year. And so it's going to look like, hey, Robbie, you're absolutely wrong. He was running back 24 again, and he played 16 games, and he only had 3.9 or 4 yards per carry. But I think year two, he will take steps forward. I do think Foles will help. Um, and he was he was the 101 for me in, in last year's rookie class. I had him over Josh Jacobs. I know that doesn't look great right now, um, but I definitely believe in his talent. Um, he just needs actual blocking, honestly. That, that's what it comes down to, and I do not think they addressed it, um, but I do think he will be good over his long-term career. All right, so I was not a fan of Dave Montgomery coming out. Um, no, really? You have him at 98. I know, well, I wasn't. I was a fan of Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders, which looks good for me. However, David Montgomery – his biggest, you know, I, I thought his best thing as far as being an asset for a running back was that he could catch the ball. And Chicago does not use him like that at all because they have Tariq Cohen. Matt Nagy doesn't know how to use David Montgomery, in my opinion. If David Montgomery is a running back and Matt Nagy gets fired this year, he's probably going to come up my rankings just because he might catch the ball. If Cohen leaves, David Montgomery can be a top – 12. Last year, last year of Cohen's deal. Right. So, I mean, David Montgomery is not like, he's not horrible, but they don't. He really started him. off the thing by saying, why is he good at football? You, I, are you, are you admitting you, you are wrong already? No, he's not horrible, but he's not good. Okay. That's, what, that's where I was going with this. You sit on the fence on that he's, one. There you go. He's somewhere in the middle of, of horrible and good. And I think it's hovering around average. And I don't think it's below average. Because he's not an explosive running back. And this is, again, where you you wind up having uh, just certain tendencies as an owner, as a scout, as you know anybody. It doesn't necessarily matter. I like my running backs who can get me a touchdown from 40 yards out. David Montgomery's not that guy. He's not going to get you know a 50-yard touchdown unless there's just a lane that opens up. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we're – Again, probably splitting the difference here where, you know, I believe in his talent. Obviously, the offensive line is putrid. Um, and, and I think you you made a good point there that Cohen is there, but maybe not for 2021. Nagy's there, but maybe not for 2021. Is this one more year of Monty kind of being meh, kind of in the middle? But then 2021 is, is his big breakout season. So he's only 23 years old. I think he has plenty of time. Um, if he gives you a running back two season this year with where he's going. I don't think that's bad. I think he's going as running back 26 in ADP right now. So um, I think that's going to be just fine. Um, but yeah, moving on to Terry McLaurin. I think this one's really interesting because this is a guy that is just criminally underrated in drafts this year. Okay. Um, in, in our uh, Superflex Dynasty rankings, you have him at 47. I have him at 67. I think I need to go back. I'm not. I'm not admitting defeat, but I'm going to say I need to go right. back after Geis's um, injury and fully relook at the passing game. I did the projections, but I didn't translate my projections into my rankings quite yet because they were all goofy this morning when I tried to. So I might bring them up a little bit. Um, I think what worries me in that offense is that I just don't trust Haskins. Like I do not trust him at all. Like if he's good, I will be shocked. But that that's that's just a big thing for me. That whole organization has just not been able to put it together for so many years since the late eighties. Um, I think he's going to have limitations with his quarterback. Now he can overcome that to a certain uh, extent, but I don't know if it's ever going to be 
where I think his actual talent is. So, you know, I've got him as a wide receiver two in dynasty rankings. And honestly, he's probably going to be a wide receiver too. Like, I just think I, I have Morris accurate. Um, so yeah, I think they're a dumpster fire of an organization and he can survive it, but I'm not sure if he totally absolutely thrives to the level that uh, other people are projecting it to be. All right. So one thing we did not mention earlier on is I'm an Eagles fan and Robbie is a Dallas fan. So we both hate Washington. Uh, so that's like the one thing we have in common. People um, in Washington sometimes hate Washington. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, like Ron Rivera hates Washington and cut Darius Geist before even listening to anything. Yeah. But that, that's perfectly fine. That you cut him on that. I'm just joking around there. Um, my big thing is I actually think you were lower on TMC when I uh, was putting this together. And you wound up, uh, after you did your projections, you raised him. And now you're probably going to raise him again after the Geist, the Geist news. Um, when I was looking at your rankings, you have, and you had, and still have David Montgomery over Terry McLaurin, which I don't think I see anywhere else. So that goes to show, uh, how much you like David Montgomery, Terry McLaurin, uh, he did not have great quarterback play last year and he was still a fantastic player. You know what I mean? I think David Montgomery and David Montgomery, Jesus, you got me on this David Montgomery thing. I hate myself. Um, <laughs> Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin is going to be relevant because of those big plays, the explosive plays. And this is again, where we go tendencies for owners. They don't have anyone else to throw to either. So he's going to build his intermediate and short route repertoire up, uh, really soon. So he could have, I, I think his floor is 110 targets, 120 targets because they're going to be losing in games and they don't have any other right wide receivers. Uh, so Volume-wise, he's going to be good. And then you take into account the explosive plays that he's going to be able to have, um, and he's going to be perfectly fine out there. So you can say that you have him ranked as a wide receiver, too. I I have him ranked as a high wide receiver, too. I think you're on the lower side there. Um, Would have broken 1,000 yards as a rookie last year on that team, and that team was horrible, and they're still horrible. Uh, Also, he played almost 25% of the snaps in the slot. Rivera has compared him to DJ Moore there. Okay, and that is about what DJ Moore played there. I, I think it was 23% in the slot. So targets are going to be coming. If everyone loved DJ Moore last year, why don't they love Terry McLaurin? I don't understand. Revere also said that Antonio Gibson reminds him of CMC. So I'm, I don't excuse like me if I don't take I'm all of his stuff seriously. Pick, I'm going to cherry pick what Ron Rivera says. <laughs> and you're going to like it. Yeah, exactly. And that's why you're going to be wrong. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're coming around to me on Terry McLaurin there. Uh, you keep raising him up a little bit ever since I, I told you, you needed to raise him up. So raise me. Up. You know what I mean? So yeah, just, man, keep that, that, that's, that's a guy that I'm, I'm definitely rooting for because I really do like his talent. I'm just really worried about that quarterback situation. We'll see what Scott Turner can do. New OC there. Um, let's see if he can work his magic. That's, that's going to be the thing um, that we learned this season. Yep. No, I'm looking forward to it. And to be honest, I don't know if I don't think Haskins is the quarterback of the future there. So I think they're going to be in line for a top five pick this year and they're going to be able to grab a quarterback there. So if they get Trey Lance or Fields or Lawrence. Yeah, is is, uh, well, you know, if he gets a quarterback like that, he won't be this, but he almost gives you the the a Rob uh, factor, right? A Rob has just been playing with terrible quarterbacks his whole career, like. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's not the case, but oh yeah, I got you. But they're still again producing. 
which is amazing because they're doing mm-hmm. it in spite of their quarterback. Good. So that's why I think you're wrong on Terry, Terry McLaurin there being too low. So uh, we're about to put a bow on this pig. And we've gone actually a little bit longer than we want to go. But at the same time for our first show, I think we did a pretty good job keeping it uh, close to that 30, 40 minute range. We're going to be under 40. So what do you think? Well, I did a good job. I don't know about you. All right. I did a horrible job. You did a horrible <laughs> job. And that's why you're wrong. We'll see if TFA lets us do a second episode. They don't have a goddamn choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, really, really excited to, to continue this, this journey with you, man. It's going to be fun. We're going to do more why you're wrong rankings disputes because I think that's what's so needed in, in this community right now. It's just instead of people just agreeing all the time, like give us two sides of the lantern. Let's see uh, each side and, and see who's right. So um, we're going to wrap this up. I am at NFL Robbie on Twitter. Tom is at Dynasty Infidel. See ya.